Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Business from the Bass Boat on the Serious Angler Network. And guys, today we've got a cool guest coming on. He's been on in the past and is just someone who has kind of that entrepreneurial mindset in the fishing world, does a lot of stuff outside of fishing to make ends meet and in the fishing industry as well. And I thought it would be a great idea to get him on to talk about, first of all, how his season's going, and then also kind of lead into um, what I had talked about on the previous episode regarding maybe some of the economic side of bass fishing and tournament anglers in general and what things are looking like right now. Um, so would love to see, let's see. Nope, we're good here. John Hunter's here. Let's see. How's it going, man? Hey, Adam, how are you? Dude, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's sunny here in Colorado. It's not, uh, although yesterday it was like 18 degrees. It's been like warm. And then we had a freaking like cold front, I guess, that a lot of people did and all this wind and stuff, but not as much wind as you had. A lot of power outages. So, uh, but thankfully, um, the house here, um, no damage and no, you know, no one got hurt, you know, nothing really catastrophic happened, some damage, but nothing, nothing crazy. So thankful for that. Man, that's good to hear. Like it, it's, uh, I just, man, like we're always thinking natural disasters and all this stuff in Colorado. And it's like, we don't have it that bad. We don't have to worry about those kinds of situations. I mean, you guys seem to, I mean, how many times are you under a tornado watch there annually? Or is it that often? Or is that kind of more in that like Oklahoma? And as you get kind of the, yeah, no, like the Western part of the state is flatter. Um, so down like, around Kentucky Lake where, you know, they had all the bad, bad stuff happen earlier this year, but that yeah. whole area, like, you know, Indiana, Western Kentucky, even Northern parts of Alabama and Tennessee, like that's tornado alley. We're kind of like up in the more Northern parts. So we don't have it as bad, but we have a handful of year. I mean, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. I just was down on uh Texoma fishing the Toyota series uh, there just as a co, I was down in Texas down in Lubbock working and I was just like, man, I'll just bring some rods and jump in as a co. And, um, man, like there was a tornado that had just gone through Hudson, Oklahoma or something and driving around there. Like, it, dude, it was crazy. Like just, just flattened. Like you can literally see the alley that it went through the trees and stuff like on a second. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, I went down to Kentucky Lake after it happened and, uh, it's just, it's crazy how, how you can see its path so clear. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah, dude, it is wild. Oh man. Scary stuff, but glad, uh, glad that the house is okay and, and the community wasn't damaged too bad. So glad to hear it. I, my dog is ringing her bells. Let me let her out real quick. <laughs> You're good. I, I hear it. You're good. Oh man, she wouldn't stop. That means she's uh, about to pee on the floor if I don't uh, let her go. It's <laughs> not good, man. Um, well, first I really wanted to get into. I know you've been uh, close in this kind of position before. I know as far as on the open side of things and and what you're doing there. I wanted to get kind of a recap for your season thus far in the Southern Opens, and then I also was curious too if you were planning on fishing any other divisions or if you were just kind of focused on that Southern. Yeah. Um, it does seem like you said, uh, I think the past two or three years I've been top 10 or top seven, you know, like right just, there, right there. I haven't, you know, this year I'm probably in a better position than I have ever in the past. I think I'm net second. There's a couple guys ahead of me for second, but they're both elite. So, mm -hmm. um, I'm in a good spot. You know, I, I just, 
but you got to put three tournaments together. I've had two good ones. Um, and, uh, we just got to get it done at Hartwell on the third one. Um, I am fishing the central division, um, kicking oh, nice. myself not signing up for all three. Mm. Um, but I'm getting married, uh, the weekend before the last one starts. And Natalie was, uh, pretty, pretty adamant on the honeymoon. So I totally understand them. There's, <laughs> you know, fishing's big in my life, but there's things that are bigger. So, uh, I, uh, I decided to not do the Northerns, um, so I can fulfill her, uh, her, uh, her wish there. Um, so we're going to do the honeymoon right after the wedding. And that would have been right when I've been at the Chesapeake for the final one. Sure. Uh, so yeah, so just doing the centrals and the Southerns. And, uh, if it's meant to be for me to, uh, to make it in this year, then it'll be in one of those two divisions. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, dude, nothing wrong with that. And, uh, I think that that's uh, it's a good thing to, to realize, man, some things in life are, are more important. And, and in those situations, like that's, that's a lot. And, and it's right at the end of the year, it seems like that the opens kind of stack, uh, that fall season, which makes it tough, uh, for weddings, I guess, for people with the kind of like fall, late summer weddings. And also, archery hunters when you get kind of into that september yeah. range it's like gosh dang it so many yep. tournaments right here absolutely nice well i mean on your end of things with hartwell and it's like the southern division it's interesting i thought it was like by far the best lakes um out of all the opens and most interested most interesting to me but when you have a situation like this like you said you're sitting second in the points really because two guys in the top are already in the elite series do you prepare differently for a tournament where you have that sort of pressure? Um, are you spending more time practicing as it's an open or do you try to approach it like any other event? Man, it would depend. Like if it was a tournament, like, like a Cherokee, for instance, mm-hmm. um, I probably wouldn't because it's a springtime tournament. Um, things are changing daily, um, hourly. Um, so n- no, if it, it depends. So this one's in, you know, fall, they're probably going to be a school and by, there's probably going to be. Yeah. So yes, I may treat this one. Uh, I may put a little more time in just because the time can actually, uh, you can reap the rewards from the time you put in. Um, sure. Whereas like if I had been gone to Cherokee two weeks early, I mean, what you were doing two weeks ago, probably wasn't going to play mm-hmm. two weeks later in the spring early spring so stuff's a little more um settled in that time of the year in october um if it gets real cold some things can change but um you know south carolina in october is probably still pretty warm so um yeah or you know stuff's pretty steady Uh, yeah so anyways yeah i'll probably put in a little extra time i'll probably go down and um you know september and then i probably won't spend for, for like my official trip there i usually try and give it for the opens four or five days um, just because you just wear your body down. So I probably won't do any more than that. I'll probably get there Friday night or something, start practice Saturday, but I probably will take a pre-trip down for a few days just gotcha. to idle around and, uh, try and find some, some cane and brush piles and whatever, any kind of little, little, little difference I may find to try and catch a fish off of. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a good point. I mean, in my eyes, like the two times a year where, if there's not an off limits on an event and you're able to take extra time, it's like either when it's an early, early spring, like almost a winter tournament mm-hmm. or a summer derby and into that kind of fall zone. I mean, yep. you can catch us like a stable offshore bite 
and you can uh, go find that structure and those fish. Uh, there's a better chance because, like you said, I mean, some of these guys that you're seeing practicing the opens right now for 30 days or whatever, it's like, dude, that's not going to, or 10 days even, like, it's not going to do you much good when it's a, a spring derby and those fish are going to be on the move every three days or every two days or one day things change. For sure. And you get locked into history and, I mean, it just, it can hurt you it, a lot more than it can help you sometimes. Like sometimes you just need a couple of days. Um, you feel like you need more, but sometimes you, you really don't. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, how, uh, how did Cherokee go for you? And, and that was, I mean, how close is that? Is that more of a, a home lake for you or, or not really? Yeah. I, I wouldn't call it a home lake, but it's probably one of the closest big lakes um, that I, I would consider a home lake. Um, I've been, I've been to Cherokee quite a few times. It's four hours from my house, okay. but, um, one of my best friends is Mike Huff. He fishes the elite series and yeah. the whole Huff family. I'm extremely close with Mike and I, um, we're college fishing partners. And so I've been going to Cherokee since I was 18, you know, 19 years old. Um, probably been going for 10 years now, a handful of times a year because they have a lake house down there. So we'll go stay and fun fish. And so I've just, I've kind of been around the, you know, that lake community and been going there for years. Um, mm-hmm. So I do know quite a bit about the fishery and, and kind of the things that go on there. Um, but uh, it's still different every time I've ever been. So you still got to kind of figure it out, but a bit, it is nice to know in the back of your mind. I think I can go catch one on this bank if I need it. It just calms you down a little bit, I think. Um, sure. What's funny is when I've gone there and done well, though, it's rarely been on stuff that I knew about, you know. Really? Yeah, I mean, but it gives you a sense of calm because you feel at least like if something isn't going right, you you know where you can go. Um, but, yeah, no, Cherokee, it's fun. Like, I, I love going there. I've been going there for, for years, so I won't – won't stretch called home lake, but, um, it's, it's probably the closest thing to it for me. Cause I don't have crap around my house. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you, man. I'm in the same kind of boat, but, um, as far as that tournament went, were you out there to and I haven't checked in your YouTube stuff yet, or if that's even up, but, but what, how did it kind of set up for you and, and, and how did it play out in the Derby? Yeah. Um, it's kind of wild, man. I thought, you know, first our tournament was like, March 30th or April 1st or something. And that's a real flip of the coin. You know, it could be like, it could be, they could be spawning. I mean, it just depends on the weather. And this year, everything is so far behind down here. I mean, everything's about two weeks late is what it's seeming like. Um, And they were, yeah, I caught most of them on a Domeki and 18 to 24 feet of water, um, which is something that's usually like a, that thing's starting to wind up about mid mid March usually. So it was still going two weeks later and I caught them. Uh, let's see. I think I caught seven of the 10 bass I weighed um, on a Domeki and uh, would catch my limit doing that every day and would go coal up shallow a few times. Oh, nice. Um, uh, yeah. Winding around the bank, but uh, guys did good shallow. It really surprised me. I thought it was uh, pretty tough. What shallow little shallow fishing I did in practice. Cause I felt like, that wasn't something I wanted to practice a lot. Cause you could, you know, it's kind of random. You just got to go do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I agree. But, uh, so I spent most time deep. Um, and uh, from what I heard and what I sampled set shallow, just wasn't happening, but we had a really warm day on our day. We could only fish till noon. Very warm, like 80, like we wore bibs and hood beanies and gloves every day until the off day, um, okay. the half day. 
And a lot of guys don't go out that day. Everyone has to be off by like 11.45. So a lot of the fishing pressure kind of – the lake gets to relax a little bit. It was sunny, slick. Um, and then the night before the tournament, it, we had a warm rain. And then it blew. We got canceled the first day, and it blew. So the lake got another rest day. But it was warm that day. It blew really hard. So you had two warm days, a lot of wind pushing bait around. And uh, a lot of fishing pressure that had kind of relaxed the lake for a day and a half. And I just think that's why you saw those first day weights that were so incredible because the fishing fish had a chance to pull up and they weren't getting hit in the head. And uh, the first day it was just a lot of guys really ran up shallow. There's some guys talking about early shad spawn going on. And um, wow. so anyways, uh, it was just, it, it happened the first day there. The place looked, looked amazing and fished, fished incredible. Um, the second day, Weights fell off a lot as I expected, um, but uh, yeah, it benefited me because I was catching them out. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and I, I think that's a something to be said about that early. If if there's still a deep bite happening that time of the year, it's generally more consistent. And those weights they dropped so so quick that second day. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, dang, the, the guys. Yeah, I had fifteen eight, and I was in thirty ninth place, which is, I mean. I actually like I quit like I didn't go to some places that I had a feeling I could definitely call at like once really? I had that I went doing to like four or five and I didn't go to them because I thought 15 eight would be top 20 for sure and I wanted to save those fish sure um, which I'm glad I did because I went to those places I didn't catch them on anything I caught them the first day I didn't catch a bass so really I needed all those places the second day and had 16 something um, and that was you know, moving me pretty far up there, but, uh, yeah. So how many, how many times, I guess, so for you, it obviously was still good the second day. Like you said, though, you were having to run all, the second all... day was actually the best day I had all, uh, one of the better days I've had in Cherokee. And I mean, it was so much fun. Really? Yeah. It was crazy. I didn't, I didn't have a bass at nine forty-five, So I was a little, not panicked yet, but I was starting to get concerned and I was like, I need to go, run up here and check these places that I didn't hit the first day. Cause I, you know, tried to catch them on where I found the first day to start. Sure. Um, it's what happened. And so I went over there and lost my first like three pound bite Oh, <laughs> and then caught, but caught, caught a three, three pounder. And then, uh, and then from there, the next two and a half hours, I really caught them. Like, I think I've caught wow. like 15 keepers in the next two hours. Um, and then went shallow and caught a few keepers cold and then went back out and probably caught another five or six keepers. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, it was fun. Really I awesome. a lot in the afternoon. But, I, I mean, I probably had 20, 25 keepers. It was, it was a fun day. Heck, yeah. No, that's yeah. Uh, the opposite of what it looked like a lot of guys' weights did. I mean, that's that's great that you had that much water found um, to where that you could, you could go run that stuff that you didn't touch. And um, that's always a tough call, right? Like going into that first day, especially like you said, I mean, if you would have known the weights were higher, you probably would have, would have hammered some of those fish, but realizing that you're like, yeah, I feel pretty good with this weight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So where is your next derby then? Uh, probably a, a pro circuit event, right? Yeah. I'm leaving for Pickwick on Sunday. Nice. Yeah. Nice. What are your kind of initial thoughts there? uh man it's been behind here i would say you know in a normal year you could probably start to see some and it may still happen you know i have i don't know the water temperature we've not been allowed to talk to anybody and it sure. may still be a shad and it probably there probably will be some shad spawn stuff going on 
Um, there always is third week of April. It's just, there will be some of that probably. It probably won't be as heavy as it would be in, in a normal year. Um, but there'll, I think there'll be a ton of bass spawning, um, a lot of fish shallow. Um, you know, I think, I feel like in any other year, I would say this is 1000% going to be one on a shallow bar offshore and still probably 70% sure it will. Okay. But I think there's a, you know, there's an outside chance somebody could go up shallow and solely win this tournament, you know, fish in the bank, um, fish in shallow, uh, just cause it, I think it's, you know, it's been cold and it's finally getting warm and like, feel like there should be a big concentration of fish up on the bank, um, shallow, but Tennessee river, a lot of those fish will spawn out there on those main river bars and whatnot. Mm. That's where a lot of big ones will spawn. It's just off the bank on some shallow stuff and creeks and, um, on bars behind, you know, in current breaks. So, um, it'll probably still get one out, out a little bit, um, sure. uh, not deep, so to say, but, uh, yeah, that's kind of my thoughts. I'm going to, I'm going to fish the bank and I'm going to try fish some, some shallow bars and, uh, some shallow, you know, off the bank, shallow stuff. Yeah. Shallow, deep, you, shallow deep stuff. <laughs> shallow deep, dude. I think that's a, like a, a thing that has caught so many big fish over these last couple of years. And, uh, it's, it's definitely changed my mindset at looking at places are kind of these shallow, deep situations. They seem to hold big fish. And in a situation where it's like a, a pre-spawn slash post-spawn, it's kind of one of those areas where, uh, those big ones are kind of in between. Mm-hmm. And like, it's been such a weird year too. Um, like you're saying, everything's kind of behind. It seems like the fish have been like frustrated almost. It's like the only thing I related to, like, as far as elk hunting, it's like the ruts coming, the ruts coming, and then you have all these fronts and then everything's just, I feel like one of these things is going to pop open. Like it's going to bust open and they're going to, they're going to get there and they have right on certain parts of the country, but it's just been such a, like a, they're up and then they're kind of backing off or they're up. It's just like a, in this stage of staging that feels like it's been going on forever. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think Pickwick will be, I think the fishing will be good. I think the weights will be good. I'm looking forward to going. I think it'll be a fun turn. I think you'll just be able to go fish and catch them. Heck yeah, man. Yep. Awesome. Well, let's get into a little bit of, I I'm curious on your side of things, especially running multiple tours. If you have heard anything just regarding fuel prices, I'm sure a bunch of guys are complaining about, Oh gosh, you know, it's going to cost 200 bucks to fill up the boat and this and that. Mm-hmm. I mean, from your side of things with, we're in an inflationary state right now. Like that's no secret. Everything's costing a lot more money. How do you see that affect the top level tournament angler guys? And then I would love to compare that to maybe your guys who are opens Toyota series, kind of that, that triple a level, if you will. Yeah, man, I think it affects everybody, you know, um, heck I even catch myself this year, like thinking, should I pull out and take the truck to this ramp or should I just run the boat 20 miles up river? Like, it's a good point. Cause like in the boat, you're getting two and a half miles a gallon and truck, you get like 12. So like, I mean, and then time, you also got to factor time. Well, it only takes me 20 minutes on the boat. It might take me 45, but like I <laughs> never like two years ago when dollars a dollar 89, like I didn't think about that. I just freaking go in the boat. I mean, it'll on pad. Yeah. There's 20, you know, 15 bucks. Now it costs you 60 or 70. And you know, I don't, and it crossed my lot, but it has a time or two. And I'm like, dang, I used to never, you know, wouldn't even consider that. And yeah. I think, you know, I think you're going to see that across the board. Um, 
my opinion right now is that it's not this year. We probably won't see a major effect on, on, uh, on guys not fishing or not doing it because of it, because, you know, and that's the reason the economy, I don't feel like has really seen or felt the effect of this yet is because everybody it's things have been so good for so many years. I mean, you think like 2017, 2016 is when things started to kind of rage. And then 2018, 19, 20, you know, 18, 19 were great. 20 was COVID year, but still great for a lot of people. Um, so, you know, things were good for a while. So people have had more cash than they've ever had right now. Um, everyone, you know, um, that's why everyone's in the market by house. I mean, people are, you know, they have money right now. And so I think there's going to be a lag and a delay before we actually see, um, see the effects, but we're going to see the effects. Like, I don't yeah. think it's going to be this year, but I think you'll start to see it next year. Um, I really do. Um, I'm not trying to be the Debbie Downer. And I'm not saying that I don't think we're going to have like an 08 kind of crash. Sure. There's going to be some, some little correction um, and different in every one of these little corrections, different, uh, different sectors of the economy feel it like 08 was everything, but it was primarily real estate. Um, you look back in the, uh, in equities felt it too in turn, but um, the, every, every downturn, there's a different kind of main factor that, that feels it. Um, and, you know, I'm don't know what this one will be, but uh, right. I don't think real estate. Um, everyone's talking about the housing market. I just don't think that that's going to be, you know, the the main uh, the main driver or what you know what feels it the the most this time around. But sure. Anyways, I mean, for for us as anglers, um, I think we'll we're feeling it now. It's not affecting decisions or changing decisions yet but i think mm -hmm. well if yeah. if our you know if we don't get a grip on especially on transportation costs because it has such a trickle effect um then yeah it's going to start it's going to start affecting people yeah no i mean uh i mean something that i just was thinking about is like man if i was if i was like for instance on the open on the james river right now a lot of guys run into the is it the chickahominy yeah chickahominy Yep. Like it's, that's a haul and guys running 70, 80 miles, like in those situations, I mean, you got to go if you're on them, right? Like if you found those fish, but, but how much of the time are you spending in practice? It's like gonna, am I really going to go run down there derby day? And then you incorporate wind and everything else. But just from a transportation standpoint, like it's going to be an expensive, expensive week for some of those guys. That's an, that's uh, an expensive fuel bill. It's a 50 gallon deal going up there. Usually 40, 46 i've done a lot been in james river three or four times it's a 46 to you know 45 gallon ordeal i mean it's a it's an expensive trip it's a couple it's hundred bucks. Trip right now yeah um, you do it two or three days and you know you got some pride. you got a thousand dollar fuel deal like that in practice and tournament um it's expensive man um and yeah. you know you got your thousand dollar fuel bill you pay say you get split a room somebody you're at four or five hundred bucks a week there about some tackle for the tournament, you know, two or 300 bucks there. Um, you got to eat. I mean, you truck, truck gas. Cause if you're not driving the boat in practice up there, you're driving your truck, you're driving it one way or the other, you're driving it a good distance. Um, you know, three or $400 during the week truck. I mean, next thing you know, you've got, 
you've got three grand in this thing. And, oh, yeah. Easy. You know, a check is three grand. So, <laughs> I mean, you, you have to make a check to break even. And then what if something happens? What if you, you know, blow a tire, you have to go to the tire shop, you know, now you're, you're not making money. Yep. Um, so it is, it is tough. Um, the opens have never been a moneymaker though. Um, it's just not, it's you're not in those to make money unless you know you're gonna make a top 10. Um, but it's even worse now, you know, whereas you used to break even, maybe come out a little ahead. Now you're with the, with the, you know, inflated costs, you're definitely not. Yeah. You're, you're either looking at that. I mean, the, the risk reward factor is um, being able to withstand that, uh, whether it be through sponsorship or a business or, or putting it on a credit card. <laughs> like, yeah. That's the, exactly. You, you got to count on sponsors, but the problem with this world is, you know, if, if your average guy who's going fishing and next year, he, you know, gas prices start to really, you know, the cash pile or his cash pile starts to dwindle down a little bit. And he's like, man, I don't know if I can go fishing as much this year. He's buying less tackle that translates to, you know, our sponsors not having the revenues and it'll just, it's a bummer. I think it'll, we'll start to see it, but yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think I'm in agreement as far as, uh, I think that a lot of people are trying to kind of compare now to like, okay, well, look, this is the same as kind of like after 2008. And I think it's, it's very different just from a, a housing standpoint because a lot has been fixed on why kind of that bubble burst. Mm -hmm. um, and then also you look at how demand is still incredibly high and there's not enough housing. So I think that, that the housing market is not going to be the catalyst, like you're saying, um, the and it's crazy to me right now just interest rates are are on the climb but people are, are red hot still man like 11 year high today yeah 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 and that's going to affect every every aspect of it of fishing too right i mean you guys financing boats and mm -hmm. um anything related to the financial market trucks anything if you're if you're financing that's all affected and what's just frustrating is uh like tournament fishing is the opposite of an inflation hedge because all your expenses go up all your your gas bill everything related to your tournament fishing goes up but payouts like don't change ever. they haven't changed in years man i mean like you go back and look at the bass masters from i don't know call it 1998 or you know 100 grand was still first place payout and it was more like they were giving away boats. Like in the eighties, they were giving away boats for big bass, like a boat for yeah, big bass, like not 500 bucks. bucks. Yeah. 500 <laughs> bucks, thousand bucks now. Um, okay. I didn't cover my fuel bill. Um, back then gas was a dollar 47, a gallon dollar 39, a gallon. Um, you know, your average home value was it wasn't 320,000. It was 172,000. I mean, you know, I just don't get it. Like you said, prices have doubled payouts have stayed the same and when you look at it on from an inflationary standpoint it's just it's even worse um you know it's crazy i mean but you know with all that said i, I don't want to be a negative nancy on the industry sure. of it and um there's still ways to, to to make it you know i mean i feel like now with social media and um youtube and uh, direct to consumer sales, an, a, an angler or influencer, you have to be both, um, can bring 
uh, immediate uh, value to a company uh, in in value that they can that they can truly, um, uh, you know, track right. Yeah, mm-hmm. that they can track. I mean, a, a monetary value that they can say, "Hey, this guy is is bringing in this amount of sales. We can see it, and he's worth this." Um, whereas before before this, it was kind of a you know, more of like a, a national brand campaign, which is kind of hard to really, really put a dollar figure on when you're sponsoring guys. So things are a little different now. Um, so it's hard to compare. You know, I think there's, there is still, there's more companies in the industry, which means there's more sponsored dollars. And it may not be as big a deals, but there's, there's a little more out there um, for people to go get if you're creative and uh, you're aggressive and, and you can show, show your worth. So with all that said, um, you know, it's tougher nowadays uh, from from an earnings standpoint, from pure earnings like catching bass and trying to show a profit over your expenses. Um, but as long as you're aggressive in, in the uh, in the sponsors and, you know, your partnerships, then there's still a way to make it in this sport. Yeah. No, I think that's an important message and not to be all doom and gloom, right, uh, with everything. I think that... Um, Things change, and then you just have to adjust on your um, your situation and how you can better those companies and uh, and grow. Mm-hmm. One uh, one thought I I mean thing that I keep going back to is like the early I would say like the late nineties, early two thousands when bass fishing was like rocking and rolling, man. When we had force would cut pay out of a million bucks, and then seven hundred thousand. Right. Classic, I think, used to be five hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think we'll ever see a time with that again? Or do you think that is a thing of the past? Uh, man, I don't because the here's the problem um is they keep cutting payouts and more people are signing up. You're right. So I, I I don't blame them. Uh, it's not their fault. I look at it from a business standpoint. What if I was the owners of these these corporations were putting on these tournaments and I was cutting entry, you know, I could get away with paying out less and I could bring in more money every year. I mean, why not? Um, I know, you know, from a, from a guy, you know, just an English standpoint, well, that's not right. Well, well, <laughs> still a business. It's still business. Like they're going to do what, what they're going to do. And they probably have a lot on the line, but they're going to do what they're going to do to make money and make their business the most profitable. It is. I mean, they have shareholders, they have investors. Like I get it. Um, the people who are at fault honestly are us. Um, you know, it's, it's the anglers. Um, it's, it's the people still signing up to go out there. I mean, I've always said that there needed to be some sort of, um, uh, not like a union, but, but an anglers association that is kind of, you know, it incorporates all, all tours, you know, everyone can kind of come together and see eye to eye. I know some people across certain, you know, certain organizations don't, but I really think there needs to be almost like an anglers union, um, like every other large sport has so that we can try and protect ourselves from, from these crazy changes every year. Um, and, you know, I know I'm not bashing the organizations. I know they're doing the best they can and, uh, to make, to make it go around. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I feel like, uh, 
that's the only way to combat it is for anglers to get on the same page and express their concerns in a constructive way to the organizations. Like it's not a beat you down. Um, it's a, how can we make this work together? How can we all come out ahead here? Um, let, let's figure out a solution. Yeah. I, I think that there's a, there's a lot of power and, and just over history uh, through unions and, and organizations where you have a large group of people um, you kind of have some say and you have the ability to, to negotiate and in a, in a positive manner, right? Like not, sure. like you said, not sitting there trying to like, this is what's wrong with you and this organization. It's like, Hey, this is uh how is at the end of the day, we need those organizations to do well. 100%. We need them to be successful because if they're successful, then we're getting the views. We're getting the eyeballs. Like we need that. But at the same time, anglers got to look out for, you know, you got to, you got to look out for your own, your own butt and, uh, and make sure that you're not getting totally, um, hosed, you know, I mean, every, you know, year in and year out. Cause they, it kind of, if you look at it over time, it's kind of happened like just a little bit every yeah. year. You look back, you're like, Oh my gosh, what? <laughs> three year or four years went by and it actually becomes a lot more clear and, uh, what, what's happening. Yeah. Well, and it's just, it's just, I mean, like little, little hikes in entry fees, right? Like just a little hike, but over. Ah, it's okay this year. Yeah. It's just a little more and then it happens again. Oh, it's just a little more. And then, and then you're like four years later, like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like, $500 more per tournament or a thousand dollars more per tournament. Do that across seven, eight, nine tournaments, like 10 grand more a year. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and if the, that payout number is not moving, like mm-hmm. you have to front the bill either as an angler with a business or with your sponsors. And it's, it's like, how do you, uh, it's hard to, I feel like, and this is outside perspective completely, but it's hard to go, especially if we have, a, you know, start to see some correction and there's less baits being sold. There's less boats being sold, whatever it may be. It's hard to go back to a sponsor and be like, Hey, you know, this is, this is costing more here. Like if you can't add more value because you're not able to bring in more sales, how can you go negotiate, Mm-hmm. a larger contract, mm-hmm. you know, so it kind of sticks it, uh, sticks it back to the angler. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, man. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough game. Um, it's a, but at the end of the day, you know, it's an addictive thing and we love it. So there's a price, you know, there's a price to that too. I always say there's a, there, there's a, there's a price for happiness as well. So like, I mean, at the end of the day, if you it's going to cost you five to ten grand more this year, is your happiness of still being able to go fishing worth it? And also, does it work with your family and your you know everyone's everyone's situation and has a different dynamic going on in their life? But um, if you're going to be unhappy, or you know, it might be worth a little more just to be happy and go and go do it. So it depends on where where you draw that line, and uh, you know it can't be silly financially. Sure. I think everyone's situation is, is, is different. And, um, something that I related to just my, my younger brother's a freaking incredible wrestler. He just won, uh, D ones at NCAAs this year. And I listened to a bunch of podcast stuff around that just was, uh, following him in, in this season. And like, it's a very similar situation with wrestling almost. Um, you can draw a parallel because the guys who are wrestling Olympically and stuff after college, 
like there's no monetary gain that's that great, right? Like it's the same kind of deal, personal endorsements and a little salary from USA wrestling or whatever it may be, but like they're doing it because they love it. And it's the same kind of thing with tournament fishing. It's not a, you're not going to play the NBA or the, I mean, any major sports organization, like you, you have to do it to love it. And I think that you're right. I think people need to view that there's a price for that, that mm-hmm. happiness level and, and that drive and that love for it. So you either have to make it work on your end. Yeah. I mean, do you want to make $50,000 a year and be a professional bass fish? This is just hypothetical. Or do you want to make 80,000 and go work sales job and a travel and sales job? Yeah. I don't know. That's a, that's for you to decide how much do you love it? Um, you know, how much does the extra money matter to your family? I mean, that that's what it all boils down to. And, and, and can you scale your fishing to maybe get there? And uh, you got to, sometimes you got to gamble on yourself um, in everything in life, whether it be fishing, whether it be business, um, if it's something you truly love and something you truly believe in yourself in, um, if you love it enough and you work hard enough, no matter what it is, fishing, business, whatever, if you believe in yourself, sometimes you got to gamble on yourself a little bit. Yeah. Dude, I think that's, that's words of wisdom and, and, um, yeah, every, everyone's situation is different. You got to decide what works for you because there's plenty of guys who are happy fishing a local Toyota series, um, and have their job and, and Mm -hmm. that kind of a situation. And that works for people. And then there's guys who are like, dude, like that's, I want to, I want to get after it. I want to be at that national scale and there's a price and you got to figure out how to make ends meet. Absolutely. Yeah. It's cool. And I think at different stages in people's lives, that could change. Like, you know, my life right now still, we're getting married this year, but we don't have kids. Like I can be aggressive, but you know, maybe three, four years from now we're married and have a little kid. I'm probably not going to, you know, I'm probably just, you know, I could see myself instead of doing a total series, like, and three opens and a Toyota, you know, I'm probably just going to do like the one series and maybe one set of something, maybe, you know, I think, and then I think it changes for everybody at different, different stages in their life on where they want to be in their fishing. Yeah. And I, I think that that you see that kind of through guys careers as they kind of settle down and, and have a family and have kids and want to be around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you see him from, from uh, like a Edwin Evers living in a, a camper. And I mean, just going everywhere to just maybe fish in a series and maybe squeaking in another one. And I'm not saying necessarily with him, but like you see kind of these, these high level yeah. guys that used to just, I mean, 30 tournaments a year, like it yep. have come down to a professional circuit. Yeah. Just one, you know, I see, I've seen it a lot recently, you know, guys who used to, I mean, you even look at a Wheeler, um, yeah. Jake Wheeler, for instance, last year he fished or two years ago, he fished pro circuit. He fished all the basketball tour events. He fished some Toyotas. I think this year he's just doing the basketball tour and Toyotas, but he has like, and dude, he has, a kid, he may have another one on the way. I'm not sure, you know, but I'm just, just an example. Like, sure. And I can, I don't blame him. Like I'd probably be doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not that he can't go win everyone. Cause he probably would. But <laughs> he's proven that already. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I think it's cool. And I think uh, another thing that I've talked about, I was actually talking about on the water, um, on Texoma with a buddy was like, I think that sometimes we, uh, I, at least me, and maybe this isn't everybody, but I, I feel like think about such a futuristic thing and um, 
I'm like, well, if I do this, then it sets me up for like this for the next 10, 15 years. But you, you don't necessarily have to view it that way. Like as long as you're making progress and moving forward, it's like you said, three, four years from now, if you want to take a step back and fish less tournaments, there's nothing wrong with that. There's, it's, it's all what you want to do at that time. Absolutely, man. You got, sorry, I'm moving places. You're good. Over here. Uh, the charging cord. Yep. Charger. <laughs> Been there. Uh, no, you nailed it. I think everybody at, uh, you know, different places is different strokes for different folks pretty much. So yeah, you're on it. Yeah. Well, and, and I, uh, kind of back to if we'll ever see anything like we saw in the two thousands range. Oh, we might've lost him. Let's see. Did he get his plug back in? We might be losing him. Anyways, regarding the, uh, early 2000s payouts and, and late 1990s payouts, like that whole time frame. I think that, um, I wonder if we see. You got me. You got me. Yeah, right. we're good. <laughs> Did it okay. die and then came back that quick? No, I got a cord. It just went in standby. Okay. Gotcha. Nice. Nice. Um, but anyways, I was saying, going back to the, if we'll ever see big payouts again in tournament fishing, like we saw, I think the only reason, and I just I just don't necessarily see it because I think the marketing dollars are away, but with how popular tournament fishing has become and so many guys, it's like if we do see a decrease in entries because inflation gets bad enough to where guys are like, look, man, it's going to be way more to go fish tournaments this year and boats are now $120,000 or whatever. Like when you get to that, like up there, if do you think that we'll start to see a cool off on the on the lower level tournaments? I mean the AAA like not two hundred and fifty boats trying to sign up or a huge waiting list for the opens or do you think that yeah. that's not I don't even know. our sports our sports growing so fast um, which is very cool and you know if it, the only way we're going to see payouts increase is if the sport continues to grow and more fans watch it. Um, the more people who watch it, the more people get involved, the more people who buy stuff in the industry. But another reason that payouts aren't as great is because there's more anglers, there's more tournament series, there's more, there's more dollars being spread around to different places. And they're not all in like used to just be, you know, pretty much like the Bassmasters. So they were all, all the money was there. Sure. So now, you know, there's more money, but there's more anglers and there's more. So the, the money kind of gets, it's getting a little more diluted, but the more people who watch, the more people who follow, the more people who fish, um, which means the more people who are in our tournaments, yeah. um, that's, you know, that's the only way to make our sport grow, make the money grow. I'm not saying it's might not get back to the glory days, but hopefully we can see it get a little better in, in the future. Um, but it wouldn't shock me if they cool off a little bit, you know, in the next couple of years, if there is a little, a little, little downturn, um, wouldn't, wouldn't shock me. Um, but yeah. I still don't think it'll be like, Maybe I'm wrong. I just try and be an optimist and be <laughs> bullish on a lot of things. And it'll probably bite me at some, it's, it will bite me at some point, but I don't like being a bear. Um, yeah. But I just think everyone thinks this big economic crash is kind of, I don't think we're in for a crash. Maybe a little, it's going to be a little, I mean, yeah, you probably don't want to go buy, you know, interest rates are coming up. It's going to, stuff's just going to cost more. I mean, Money is just cheap to borrow, so people are going to spend less. But I don't know, man. I just don't. I don't see this big, gloomy, doomy, uh, big bus coming. I see maybe a little. 
direction, people are still going to spend money and do some things. So, yeah, no, I, I, am the same way. I, I think, uh, um, being positive helps in so many things, but it's interesting because it's almost to me, and this could be absolutely false, but just with the people that I talk to, it's like a, it's almost a, a generational thing in my eyes to an extent, like the more, and this is no, uh, this is no, um, shade thrown, but like older people that I talk to are like, Oh, it's coming. Like oh, here yeah. we freaking yeah. go. Like mm-hmm. you haven't lived through this. And so I'm like, true. I haven't, but true. I don't agree. <laughs> so true, man. It is true. Like fifties and sixties, you know, you hear those people they are, they're dead set. Bad times are coming and maybe they're old and wise. We should listen to them, but I just, I don't know. I, I want to be a little more optimistic about it. Yeah. And no one can, no one can predict the, the bottom anyway. So to me, it's just not worth spending time worrying. Yeah. About it's it. all speculation. And uh, at the end of the day, if it does like, no matter what the economic state is, there's always a way um, to, to make it. And what you want to do, you just got to figure out a way to be creative and work hard. So sure. um, why worry about it? <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, be smart about it. Don't do stupid stuff. Like, I mean, maybe this isn't the time to go above your means and buy the house of your dreams. I mean, at the top of the market or um, maybe sit in the time where you're looking for Natalie a new car, but we're probably yeah. going to hold off now, you know, like just stuff like that. Um, sure. And that's a decision though, that like, um, that's like the start of this in my eyes. Like, I think, I think from the stuff that I kind of listen to and research wise, like it takes a long time for inflation to actually set in with people, especially like interest rates and that kind of a thing as they're flying up right now, like people aren't really changing their habits now, but in like eight months, a year from now, like that's when you kind of see, like, say it is time, like you said, to go buy a new car and uh or or a house or that kind of a situation that's when you see folks kind of take a double take and say "Mm, maybe not and that's exactly what you just did right that's the economic system working because you were like probably doesn't make sense right now exactly yep i mean gas prices have gone up so not only is she gonna have a little bit of a car payment but also we're looking at you know an extra fuel bill she's gonna get an suv she's got a car now it's paid off so like you're right. I mean, we're, we're seeing it happening. I mean, even in, yeah, in everyday yeah. life. Just little steps. But we're still going to go hammer down tournament morning at 78 miles right. an hour, 75 miles an hour. Right. Right. Two <laughs> miles of the gallon, baby. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, dude, um, I appreciate you coming on today. We'll kind of wrap things up here. Um, I and, and I'm just curious on your end if you – well, not even necessarily curious, but if you want any shout outs, uh, right now, as far as where folks can follow along with you and, mm-hmm. and, um, anything that you've got going new would be, uh, yeah, no, I'd love for people to follow my, uh, YouTube channel. It's John Hunter fishing, uh, trying to put out some cool content. Um, and then my social pages, I'm on Instagram at J Hunter fishing on Facebook, John Hunter fishing. Um, and then also I'm going to tease it, um, yeah. me and buddy, Brett Cannon, um, Brett, Brett's a, a, a uh, awesome guy to follow in the in- industry, uh, Brett Cannon on Instagram. But uh, him and I have launched a hydration supplement company called Water, W-A-T-R, Water Additive to Rehydrate. Um, it's on Instagram, Water Nutrition, W-A-T-R Nutrition, at Water Nutrition. And uh, 
we're launching in two weeks. So we've already got some content out there. Would love for you guys to go give the page a follow so that you can uh, can get all the updates and latest news about our launch here in about 10 to 14 days. So uh, yeah, we're excited about that. And uh, I'll come on another time and share, share Adam a little more about that. Uh, yeah. But we're still a couple weeks from launch, but love for you guys to follow and uh, get all the latest updates on it. Heck yeah, man. I will uh, link that in the show notes as well, guys, to go follow that. You're always, always looking at that next entrepreneurial step, man. I love it. Like in the industry, out of the industry, you're always trying to um, hustle and, and build a brand. So very cool. Excited for that. And I think I actually, uh, at Texoma, um, needed a link and, and I think Brett's guy backed out or something. So I linked with him at the, uh, at the Toyota awesome. there on Texoma. Great. Yeah. Brett's good dude. Yep. Yeah. Sweet. Well, thanks, John, for coming on, dude. And uh, we'll absolutely get you back on and, and uh, in the future here to talk about that. But uh, thanks for taking the time out and good luck at Pickwick. Perfect. Thanks, Adam. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more, which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you liked some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Searsanga fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see y'all on the next one.